Today's episode was inspired by a conversation with a young man I met in the summer. And it inspired, in turn, this phrase, answering the call. And so today I'd like to explore this idea a little more and see where it takes us. Welcome to the Henny Flynn podcast, the space for deepening self-awareness with profound self-compassion. I'm Henny. I write, coach and speak about how exploring our inner world can transform how we experience our outer world, all founded on a bedrock of self-love. Settle in and listen and see where the episode takes you. So as I mentioned in the introduction, the title for today's episode was inspired by a conversation really that I had with an amazing, beautiful human at Shambhala Festival. He was improbably named Merlin and he was an incredibly beautiful soul. We met on the dance floor. I was standing on a on a a small podium as you do uh, dancing to some wonderful music and he was standing in front of me and he was so tall that his head was actually at the same height as mine and we ended up chatting even though uh, the music was loud and there was lots of noise all around us but we had a an incredible conversation uh, that covered so many beautiful deep topics It was really, really wonderful. And the next day he came to find us. Uh, We were holding space uh, called the Love Shrine, which was a space where people could come and write messages of love for, um, for a loved one who wasn't with them for whatever reason. I've talked a little bit about this elsewhere. I can't remember if I've talked about it on the podcast, but um, some of those messages were very light, you know, um, things like, you know, Dave, I can't believe I didn't tell you we were coming. You'd have absolutely loved it here. Through to, you know, deep, deep messages of love to um, family members, friends who had died. And um, yes, gosh, I mean, there's so much to talk about that. We're actually going to um, hopefully take the Love Shrine back to Shambhala um, again this year. So if you go, um, please do come and find us. Anyway, Merlin did. He came to find us and we had another wonderful conversation. And... uh, We exchange details because, you know, sometimes there are these people you meet where you just have this sense of like, I'd like to maintain this connection in some way. Now, after Shambhala, I received a message from him and he shared a story that happened later that day where a woman was calling his name from a distance And as he turned to say yes and see who it was, he saw that she was actually a mother calling for her child. 
a child who was also called Merlin. And this little boy ran across the grass and into her arms. The Merlin that I met found this deeply moving. And after the conversations that we'd been having together, it felt very profound. It felt like there was a voice calling to him, metaphorical and literal. And he had this this sort of question arose around how does he answer the call? And so I'd like to share that question here with each of us. How will each of us answer the call? I don't think this is a question that is purely for the time of the turning of the years. I think it's actually an eternal question, though our thoughts naturally might turn to the question as we reflect on what's been, as we feel into what is now, and as we look forward toward what will be. You know, I'm very mindful that I'm recording this, you know, at the end of December, as we head toward the new year. Um, but as I say, I, I don't think it is purely a question for this time of year. It just happens that um, I've been drawn to record this episode now, this, this question about, you know, listening and answering the call has been, has been sitting uh, on my list of things to share since, um, since I met Merlin um, back in August. Um, but now feels like the time. So maybe it feels like the time for you too. I'm trusting that. You might be familiar with the Mary Oliver poem, The Summer Day, where she finishes with that incredibly beautiful question. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? And I'd like to share the poem with you today. It feels very resonant with this question of answering the call, you know. And I I want to kind of keep like feeding this line in really because I think it can hold so many meanings and and it can be the most beautiful um, prompt to feel inside us, to feel into like what is the call that we are hearing, that we are feeling, that we are noticing, that we are revealing. And then we ask the question, how do we answer? So Mary Oliver's beautiful poem, The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper. I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. 
Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I mean, boom, Mary Oliver, drop the mic. (laughs) It's just the most exquisite piece of poetry. If you haven't come across Mary Oliver before, I I really recommend um, getting some of her poetry. I, I only discovered her the year she died, actually. It was I suddenly, she came into my field of vision and, oh gosh, her writing. I've, I've been reflecting on this, this whole idea that Mary Oliver writes about, which is, um, doesn't everything die at last and too soon, um, through reading Seneca, uh, one of the Stoic writers on and reading his essay on the shortness of life so it was written around AD 49 to his father-in-law Paulinus and it's there are a couple of translations of it and and it's incredibly accessible as you read it um and as I've been reading it I, uh, I've been reading it at night and keep <laughs> reading extracts from it out to Anton because it is universal, eternal wisdom. You know, we can often have this, um, the arrogance of our age can be, I don't mean age as in the like number of years we've been around, but age as in epoch. The arrogance of of each age can be that we look back on previous ages and and have this sense that we must be deeper thinking, deeper feeling, more noticing than previous peoples. But then when we read the writings of the Stoics or, or ancient philosophers, ancient mystics, you know, people like Rumi or Buddha, um, You know, we see that these are universal messages that we are still seeking to answer now or seeking to uncover for ourselves now. I I just find it so fascinating um, seeing that we are the same. (laughs) Um, So one of the things that Seneca writes is, it is not that we have a short time to live but that we waste a lot of it. Life is long enough and a sufficiently generous amount has been given to us for the highest achievements if it were all well invested. 
Now, our interpretation of what highest achievement means comes into play here, I think. So my interpretation of that has definitely changed over the years. And it is far less now about what others might think of me or what I think others might think of me or of the decisions I make, the choices I make. And now it is far more, and I would hope almost entirely, about what I feel to be true deep in my wisdom self. I say almost entirely because, of course, you know, old habits run deep. Um, But Seneca also wrote, sometimes even to live is an act of courage. I'm just going to pause there because, oh my goodness me, that phrase resonates so deeply within me. And when I think of clients I work with, conversations with friends, you know, sometimes even to live is an act of courage. When we look at the world around us, gosh, sometimes even to live is an act of courage. And he continues, true happiness is to enjoy the present without anxious dependence upon the future, not to amuse ourselves with either hopes or fears, but to rest satisfied with what we have, which is sufficient for he that is so wants nothing. I mean, doesn't that speak to every meme (laughs) that you've seen about well-being and, you know, good living and, you know, we know the work of Eckhart Tolle and the power of now. We know the work of, you know, so many um, Buddhist uh, writers. It's all about non-attachment to the past, non-attachment to the future and a willingness to rest in the gift of the present. Um, Ronnie's rearranging furniture again. I don't know if you can hear him, but I'm just going to keep going. Hopefully it's not too distracting. Um, So, Ronnie's my dog, by the way, in case you don't know that. Um, (laughs) So, I think, you know, one of my favourite quotes, something that, uh, again, kind of came into my field of vision um, quite a while ago now but sort of fairly early on in my own uh, experience of awakening for want of a better phrase Um, and it's a quote that's attributed to Confucius and it says we all have two lives our second life begins when we realize we only have one isn't that just brilliant Isn't that just brilliant? We all have two lives. Our second life begins when we realise we only have one. I mean, this speaks to Seneca. This speaks to Mary Oliver. This speaks to the question of how are you answering the call? Will you run and fling yourself into the waiting arms of the universal mother, like Merlin, the child? Will you share the question with someone you trust and ponder it, like Merlin, the man? Or will you do as the ancient Merlin, the Merlin of the sword in the stone, 
as he requested of us all and celebrate the inherent magic within every individual, inspiring a reawakening and a remembering that magic is our natural state. So I don't know how to answer this question myself. I'm asking it of me as much as I'm posing it for you. But I do think it is a useful question to reflect on. One client mentioned to me that she's meeting with a friend over the holidays to create their vision board for the year ahead. And I love this idea and I love a vision board. I've got one in front of me as I speak. It is full of images of the natural world, of beautiful linens tumbling from a bed, of water running along a stream, of flowers of wild animals, of beautiful spaces of people gathered together around fires, of lichen hanging from a a branch of a tree, of fresh produce from a garden. It also has words on it, phrases like, there's no better time than now. (laughs) That's very appropriate for what we've just been talking about. Um, The school of life, mindful creating, shining a light, soul journey, bliss, and a phrase that says, I came back renewed. It's, it's all about what we're creating here, what um, we're creating here at, at the farm. And so maybe I don't know, hmm, I was going to say maybe I don't know what 2024 holds but but maybe I do know part of what I can envision it might contain another book and I'll share more on that another time Um, the summer house will be ready early in 2024 for my clients to stay and immerse in the work they do with me that they do with themselves more to the point um I know that the land will begin to flourish and grow again. The fields slowly returning to meadows, maybe with another enormous blast of bright red poppies outside my stable door. Um, The stable being where I'm speaking from now, my, my beautiful place of work. I know, I believe, I see... I'll keep deepening connections with friends, maintaining these already deep connections with my family. And I'll be deepening the connection with myself too. I'll be continuing to do the work. And I think it's through that that really we are able to listen to what the call is. So, how about you? How are you listening in? And how are you answering the call? Sending so much love for whatever today holds. Sending you a hug. 
and a wave. <laughs>